This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning. I'm Kathy Buckworth for real. You can trust me to bring you all the fun and facts that today's grandparents need to know about here on GoToGrandma. That is a fact. For most of our lives, facts were, well, facts. But in recent years, it seems as though facts are considered to be opinions and science can be debated. How can we tell what's real and what's not? When University of Alberta professor and Canada Research Chair Tim Caulfield wrote the book, Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? When Celebrity Culture and Science Clash, he became known as the guru of busting science fiction. His credentials are impressive. You'll hear all about them in our bio intro coming up. And his ability to see through the science scams and break it all down for the rest of us is not only appreciated, but also required. He's going to tell us how the spread of health misinformation has grown and what we can do to protect ourselves from it. Not only are we dealing with misinformation online, we are also sometimes being targeted to provide information to people with nefarious intention. Tech guru Avery Swartz returns to the show to tell us what internet scams seniors and all of us should be aware of and how we can protect ourselves. She's going to give us three quick tips for things we can start doing right now to prevent getting scammed. You're definitely going to want to listen to my interview with this very smart and savvy woman. Fact is, we need to act on climate change. It is real and it is happening. To close out Earth Month, our Take 5 with RBC series focuses on what actions RBC is taking in their approach to climate change action. And we will get some specific examples of how they are meeting their strategic targets. Only the facts, Gran. That's what we are out for today. It's a fact that if you are a regular listener, that this is the time I load up my coffee cup and I get ready to chat with some of the most interesting people in Canada. Tim Caulfield is up next. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Timothy Caulfield is a Canada Research Chair in Health, Law, and Policy, a professor in the Faculty of Law and the School of Public Health, and Research Director of the Health Law Institute at the University of Alberta. His interdisciplinary research on topics like stem cells, genetics, research ethics, the public representations of science and public health policy has allowed him to publish over 350 academic articles. He has won numerous academic science communication and writing awards and is a fellow of the Royal Society of Canada and the Canadian Academy of Health Sciences. He contributes frequently to the popular press and is the author of two national bestsellers, The Cure for Everything, Untangling the Twisted Messages about Health, Fitness, and Happiness, and Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? When Celebrity Culture and Science Clash. His most recent book is Relax, Damn It! A User's Guide to the Age of Anxiety. Timothy Caulfield is also the host and co-producer of the award-winning documentary TV show, A User's Guide to Cheating Death, which has been shown in over 60 countries, including streaming on Netflix in North America. Good morning, Tim Caulfield. Thanks for so much for joining the show this morning. 
Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to get into this conversation. You are such a guru when it comes to the spread of misinformation and helping us sort through it. And it is rampant right now. Did this start with COVID or has it always been out there? Well, look, I I always joke that misinformation has been around as long as we were able to communicate with each other. So no, it (laughs) it did not start with COVID. There was really bad health information, I think, for decades. But, Kathy, it was accelerating. You know, I I think forces like social media, forces like celebrity health gurus, and and forces like the anti-vax movement were gaining momentum before the pandemic. But for sure, for sure, during the pandemic, the spread of misinformation really took off and did incredible harm. And I've been studying misinformation for decades. And to be honest with you, even I was surprised at the scale of the problem that's out there. But yeah, for sure, misinformation was around before the pandemic, but it did incredible harm during the pandemic. I guess it was almost like a perfect storm, wasn't it? When you think about the pandemic hitting at the same time, social media had already taken such a great hold of our lives. And we read so much online. We joke about Dr. Google, but this was way more advanced from Dr. Google. This was beyond that. You're right. And it seems obvious, you know, Kathy, to say, um, you know, the problem with social media, but there's a good body of evidence now that tells us exactly that. And not just in North America, research is telling us that, you know, social media is driving a lot of the misinformation really around the world, regardless of the country, regardless of the culture. This is largely, not entirely, I think that's important to recognize, not entirely, but largely a social media phenomenon. Let's dig into this a little bit. So what are the most dangerous false facts you have been seeing or hearing lately, particularly as they relate, you know, more to our audience, sort of, you know, seniors 55 plus? Well, look, I think, you know, there's so much misinformation, it's hard to pick, right? (laughs) so much out there, it's hard to narrow down. But let's focus on the misinformation that creates doubt about public health measures. You know, I I think those are the kinds of bits of misinformation that can do real harm, especially if they feel kind of credible, if they feel kind of sciencey. So, you know, misinformation about the idea that COVID will change your DNA, misinformation about the idea that it's still, you know, experimental, misinformation about the idea that there are effective therapies out there like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, no evidence to support those. those. I could go on, but, you know, those bits of misinformation that really, you know, create doubt that sort of add to any hesitation that's already there. We know, and again, research has backed this up, it did real harm. But having said that, you know, we can't ignore the stuff that seems really bananas. You know, the idea <laughs> that, you know, that the vaccine was a plot by Bill Gates to right, put microchips right. in us. That sounds absurd. But we know that a large proportion of the population believed that or, or at a minimum, they were open to the idea. And we also know that kind of misinformation did harm. So even, Kathy, even the stuff that seems really out there can can fuel hesitancy can can fuel a misinformed public discourse can do harm. So things like, you know, as you chatted, the Bill Gates, you know, microchip thing, for a lot of people, they're like, well, that's ridiculous. And we can, some of us can say, let's put that one aside. But some of the other ones that are slightly true-ish sounding, how do we know what's real and what's not? Like, where should we go to find out the real scoop? Well, you know, I I understand that people are confused because, you know, it's getting more and more difficult. It is getting more and more. Uh The information environment is just so incredibly chaotic. But you can do a couple things. You know, always ask yourself, what kind of evidence is being used Mm -hmm. here? And that may sound like a big ask. It's not. It's not. Is this just a testimonial? Is just this uh, someone's opinion? Is this just an anecdote? Are they referring to secret information? Always ask yourself, 
what's the body of evidence on this topic? And we know vaccines work, for example, in the WHO, in the United Nations, mm-hmm. the public health agencies. You know, go to those entities that are aggregating the science in a responsible manner. So do that. Also ask yourself, is this person selling something? So not just right. a product, but an ideology, a brand. You know, are they trying to push some kind of narrative? That's relevant, too. So just those two simple steps can make a really big difference. And the other thing I think it's really important, especially because the information environment is just so chaotic, take that beat, take that, you know, just pause mm-hmm. for a moment and ask yourself, yeah. yourself, you know, the social media is frantic, right? You know, just taking a beat can make a difference. And again, good evidence to back this up. A colleague of mine, Gordon Pennycook, he's an experimental psychologist here in Canada. He's done research that shows that that simple step, just pausing for a moment before you share can make a real difference. Oh, that's great. I love that. That's great advice. One of the things that I think a lot of people are dealing with is dealing with family members or close friends who are seeing science as opinion. Can I put it that way? How do we deal with that? Is it worth having the argument or the conversation and how so? Well, first of all, I'll say off the top, those conversations matter. So, so important. Have those conversations. I know they're not easy. Uh, I know they can be uncomfortable. They really do matter. There's an interesting study. It's kind of a depressing study, Kathy, that came out very recently that found that about four 40% of Canadians have lost a relationship as a result mm-hmm. of tension over, you know, COVID. And largely, we're talking about tension caused by misinformation. Let's be honest. That's really largely what it is. So mm-hmm. have those conversations. We know that can make a difference. You could probably guess what I'm going to say, but that doesn't mean it's not good advice. Use empathy. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, find out where this perspective is coming from. Tell a story. Explain, you know, what it meant to you. Find that common ground and give them a path. Give them a path to credible information. No one changes their mind right in front of you, right, Kathy? That never happens. Right. No one ever goes, Kathy, now that you mention it, you're right. It never happens, right? <laughs> I will get that vaccine after you know, not getting it for two years. Yeah, great advice. <laughs> Give them that path. And be, so be patient. Be patient. Yeah. It, oh, it can take time. No, I think that's great advice. And in, within my own family, I have some anti-vaxxers and for completely different reasons. So each of them you sort of have to take a different tact with to really understand where they're coming from. It's true. And the other really important fact to, to recognize is, you know, those your view does matter. There's been really interesting research that's highlighted, yes, people, you know, they turn to scientists and healthcare professionals for advice, but someone like you, that opinion matters, right? Because you have their worldview and you understand their values. And so your perspective does matter to someone close to you. So, you know, use that carefully and respectfully, but those conversations do matter. I really appreciate that. And if we want to get more great factual information, we can find Tim Caulfield on social media. Twitter, Instagram is Caulfield Tim, and that's C-A-U-L-F-I-E-L-D Tim. And you're also on Facebook. And we should all pick up a copy of Is Gwyneth Paltrow Wrong About Everything? Because I think it's the best book title ever written. So thank you so much for joining the show, Tim. I really appreciate your advice on this. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Thanks. Avery Swartz is the founder and CEO of Camp Tech, the tech workshop company for non-technical people. She's also the author of the best-selling book, See You on the Internet, Building Your Small Business with Digital Marketing. And she's the resident tech contributor to CTV's Your Morning. But she's here with me this morning. Good morning, Avery. Good morning. So today we are going to talk about internet scams. And we're going to focus on ones around seniors, but honestly, they affect all of us and how we can protect ourselves. So we're going to start at the beginning with your great wealth of knowledge. What kind of scams are out there? What should we be looking out for? Yeah, so, you know, 
Stamps are like as old as human <laughs> civilization. Yeah. You know, they, they've been around forever. And it seems that every time there is a new widely adopted form of technology, then scamming just becomes part of it. So, you know, the scams that I'm seeing right now are usually, you know, in, in the newest form of technology. So email scams have been around for quite a while. But now I'm starting to see even more scams that are coming through text messages and wow. also direct messages on social media. So, you know, those are the kind of the newer ways to reach people. So, of course, those are the newer uh, forms that scammers are taking. One I've heard about quite a lot, especially just, you know, in the last couple of years as we've all been, you know, spending a lot more time at home, is text messages that look like they are coming from a shipping company, such as, you know, UPS or FedEx or Amazon. And it looks like it has a link that says it is a shipping update. And then when you tap that link inside that text message, then that, you know, kind of takes you on to the scam where they are trying to get personal information from you or, you know, getting you to to give up your credit cards or, you know, anything like that. So I'm seeing those a lot lately and also hearing about, of course, you know, the one that tends to get a lot of us is the you need to update your password scam. So that's the, uh, you know, it's usually sent by text message or even in an email and says, you know, we are updating our systems or your email has been compromised and you need to log in and update your password. But then what you don't know is that you're not actually logging into what you think is a legitimate place. You're logging into a kind of a copycat scenario. So Avery, I mean, I assume most of the point of these scams is financial gain or personal infringement, but really what's the point? Like, What are they hoping to achieve? They're so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you nailed it, but um, it usually is around some sort of financial gain. You know, the one thing that's really interesting about modern day scams is that they're highly organized. You know, this isn't just, you know, one bad actor, you know, acting completely on their own. Like these are happening, you know, through organized operations, often internationally, and they're acting at scale. So, you know, I was Mm -hmm. talking with a friend recently and they're like, come on, Avery, who falls for this? stuff. It's, you know, I can tell when something's a scam. I say, well, first of all, not everybody can always tell. That's why we're talking about it. But also, you know, because it happens at scale, if these scammers are targeting, say, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even potentially millions of different email accounts or or, uh, cell phone numbers, even if only, say, half a percent or one percent of all of the targeted victims even fall for the scam, that's still a heck of a lot when you do it at scale. It's like when I used to work in marketing, we do direct mail campaigns, like half percent response was wonderful, right? Yeah. So Avery, you're going to give me three quick tips for things we can start doing right now to prevent getting scams. Go. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So my three tips are pause, verify, and secure. So let's start at the beginning, which is pause. So if your spidey sense is going off, Mm -hmm. if you get a message, an email, a text message, a social media direct message, anything that's often out of the blue, especially anything that involves, say, like cryptocurrency or investing, that's often something that'll send off your spidey sense. If you get a text message from a number that you don't recognize or even from your own number, which is something that we're seeing happen more and more. That's something that spammers can do through something called spoofing, where they are kind of cloaking the number that they're coming from. So first thing is to just 
pause, stop for a moment and ask yourself, if it looks or feels spammy or scammy, it probably is. So Mm -hmm. stop in that moment. Do not take action. Do not click on a link or a file attachment. And, you know, especially if it's a, if it's a text message, don't even reply because sometimes, you know, they might say in the message something like, you know, reply with the word stop to stop these messages. But if you even reply with the word stop, then that tells the scammers that this is an active number and they're right. getting a response there. So my first step is to just pause. My next tip is to verify. So ask yourself, is there any way that you can potentially verify that the message you're receiving is legit? So, for example, you know, sometimes we'll see scams that look like they're coming from your bank. So, you know, if you're, if you're getting a weird email or text message that says it's your bank, instead of clicking or, or um, you know, looking at the attachment or something, why don't you just call your bank? Pick up the phone. <laughs> That's cool. Use the telephone. And say, hey, you know, I just got this message. Yeah. Was that actually from you? Like, find some kind of way to verify whether or not the message is correct or secure or legit without actually interacting with the message itself. You can also, you know, this is where it's great to turn to, you know, if your partner or, or your kids or even your grandkids and say, exactly. hey, you know, this feels a little weird. Do you think this feels weird? And that's where they can be like, oh, yeah, absolutely, Graham. It is totally a scam message. So find any kind of way you can to verify that message. Mm-hmm. And then the third tip I have for you is to secure your digital life. And this is one of those tasks that I call it an eat your vegetables topic. <laughs> Lots of fun. <laughs> we know we should be doing this, but we don't really like doing it. But come on, let's, let's practice good digital hygiene. Let's regularly change our passwords. It's really important to have complex passwords and to have a different password for every system that you log into. Because if your password is compromised in one place, you don't want that to be the same password everywhere else. So the way that I personally keep track of all of these different complex passwords that I cannot remember, I use what's called a password manager. And I use um, one that's a pretty cool Canadian company called One Password. And what it does is it's an app that I have on my phone, on my iPad, I have it on my laptop. And One Password remembers all all of my different passwords for me. I just have to log in to this one centralized area using one password. It's the only one I need to remember. And then it automatically keeps track of all my other passwords oh, that's cool. for me. And it's super, super yeah. secure. You don't need to worry about using one like that. So one password is what I recommend. Also, I'm a big fan of something called two-factor authentication. You know, if you're logging into your bank or you're logging into your social media, your email, get it to authenticate that it's actually you using another method. And so often we do this using something like a text message or, you know, it can even be a phone call or an email. But I really like an app that is called, it's got a strange name, so try and remember this one, Kathy. It's called Authy. So it's like the okay. word authorize, but, okay. but Authy. Authy. Authy is an app that you can use on all of your different devices and, and on your laptop as well. And it's an even more secure way to do that two-factor authentication than receiving a text message, because even those can be kind of hacked now. So I'm a big fan of using two-factor authentication, and I like to use the Authy app for that. Okay. For that. So I'm writing down Authy, and I'm writing down yeah. one, password, one password, and I'm also asking my listeners to write down Avery's social media channels so they can follow her for more information. And it's A-V-E-R-Y-S-W-A-R-T-Z on Twitter, 
Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much, Avery Swartz, for this information. I learned so much today, as always. I love being on your show. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Avery. Take care. Alex Bulos is Vice President Climate at Royal Bank. He's responsible for RBC's climate blueprint, which includes RBC's commitment to align with ambitious new global standards, help set new industry standards, and partner with both government and society to meet the Paris Agreement goals for net zero emissions by 2050. Thanks for coming on the show today, Alex, and being part of our Take 5 with RBC series. Thank you, Kathy. Excited to be here. So climate change is obviously one of Canadians' top concerns right now. What is RBC's approach to climate change action? Yeah, so, so let me start by, by first just saying that it's really timely to be here today as we're, we're just around Earth Day. And mm-hmm. I think it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on our impact on the planet and, and what we can do to make it better. I also just want to mention, you know, the war in Ukraine, which is obviously a tragedy that has sparked a massive geopolitical challenge for us. And I think that going forward, you know, there are going to be challenges for us as we look to balance climate, energy, and economic progress. So really a timely conversation for us. Oh, great. But let me come back. Maybe let me come back to RBC and your question. So the first thing I'd say is that most Canadians actually don't immediately think of banks when it comes to climate change. But as one of the largest global financial institutions, we really think that we have a critical role to play. And so, as you mentioned, you mentioned the, the, the climate blueprint, and that is the name that we give to our strategy to address climate change, and it has four main components. So the biggest component about what we do is around supporting our clients and really helping them to build and to execute on their emission reduction plans. So last year, we published a report called the $2 trillion transition, and that refers to the amount that we've estimated that it's going to take in terms of investment for Canada to get to net zero as a country. And obviously, our financial institutions, and RBC in particular, are going to have a really big role to play in that. Additionally, we've also committed to be net zero ourselves, and, and mm-hmm. we've set targets in terms of what we do, not only just in terms of our own operations, because as a bank, you know, we don't have a huge carbon footprint ourselves, but as well in terms of our lending activities. And so, you know, we, we obviously are exposed to a huge portion of the Canadian economy, and we've committed to be net zero as well. But, but lastly, I also wanted to talk about, you know, just given our scale, we also think that we have an important role to play in terms of having a voice and in terms of helping to inform and to inspire Canada's sustainable future. So those are all important components of our climate strategy. So can you share some examples of how these strategic priorities are being reached? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the support that we provide to our clients, we, do, we support both businesses and individuals. For businesses, we, we have a target for sustainable financing. And so sustainable financing is, is fi- financing related to work that has to meet certain green or sustainable conditions to count. And we initially had, had set a target for that around $100 billion. But last year, we reset that commitment to be $500 billion by 2025. So it's the largest commitment in Canada. Wow. And for individuals... We've been working on introducing a number of products and services that people can use. So, you know, we we have loans for electric cars at discounted rates. We have ESG GICs for for smart investing in the U.S. You know, we have RBC U.S. Bank credit cards that have rewards that include climate-friendly products and some environmental charities for spending rewards points. So lots of things that are available for uh, for both our business and, and retail clients. Could you tell me a little bit about the Earth Rangers program? Yeah, absolutely. So this past year, we provided over $10 million to over 100 universities and charities that are solving environmental challenges like climate change. 
And Earth Rangers is, is an example of one of the partners that we have there, and, and I think a great one to highlight. So Earth Rangers is the largest program of its kind globally, and it engages over 200,000 Canadian children in environmental education and activities. And so our RBC Tech for Nature supports the Earth Rangers app. And what it is, it's a platform that encourages youth to participate in a number of real-world environmental actions and to track their participation and to calculate the resulting impact. So really just a fantastic tool that folks can use to raise awareness and to also, you know, take action themselves. So I'd really encourage people to, to check that one out. And I have checked it out. I've gone to Earth Rangers app. It's, it's really great. And if we want to also go online and find out about the RBC Climate Blueprint, we can go to rbc.com slash climate. And if we want to be an Earth Ranger ourselves, we can go to earthrangers.org. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alex, and sharing this really valuable information. Thanks, thanks Kathy. My pleasure. Thanks. There is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. Arthur Conan Doyle said this in one of his Sherlock Holmes books, it is indeed a mystery to me, and I think to many, that facts can be things that are open for argument and opinion. So the more we know, the better we are to separate fact from fiction and avoid being deceived. It's a fact that I loved the show today. Thanks to Tim, Avery, and Alex for giving us useful information we can use right now in making our own world and the world as a whole a better place. Is there any better place than sitting next to your mom? Our Mother's Day special is up next week, and we have some very special guests to help us celebrate all of our moms, grandmas, and just all-around great grandmas. Former Much Music VJ Erica M. grew up with a wandering mom, a mom who trailblazed solo travel for women when she launched Journey Woman, first as a newsletter and then as a full-blown online website social media phenomenon. Evelyn Hannon set a trail for Erica to follow. And now a few years after Evelyn's passing, I'm going to talk to Erica about how she keeps her mother's drive and legacy alive for her children, Evelyn's grandchildren. Julie Cole has six children and a law degree, and she launched a label business in the middle of all of it. You've probably heard of Mabel's Labels. At any rate, label giant Avery did, and they bought out this hugely successful company years ago. But Julie didn't just sit on her labels and her millions. She's still with Mabel's Labels, and she's written a book about how she did it all. Lessons from Label Land for today's new moms to take in and be inspired by, as we can inspire our daughters and granddaughters to go for it. And of course, we will have another installment of our Take 5 with RBC series, our amazing title sponsor, who always brings us information about how to better our financial futures. Thanks for dropping in. I always appreciate spending time with you. Enjoy your grand journey. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.